0: hey this is phil lamar and this is also phil lamar and you're listening to the night nerd welcome to the night nerd podcast i'm your host lance it's thursday so we're gonna talk some history we're celebrating Godzilla vs. Kong. It's available on HBO Max now and in theaters. It's a lot of fun. You should go check it out. Um, I, I'm not sponsored by Warner Brothers or HBO or anything. It's just it's a topical thing to talk about, and I think everybody should go check it out. So uh, just little maintenance there to let you all know that uh, I'm rarely ever sponsored. I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. But, I mean, anyway... Another house cleaning thing. On Tuesday, I was talking about Ray Harryhausen and King Kong. Uh, I misspoke, and Kong inspired Harryhausen. He saw it like 30 times in the theaters, and so that's where it came from. Uh, the way I said it, it was kind of like he worked on Kong, but he was just a kid when it came out. So, just to clarify things, you know, I want want to do that. So going into today, Godzilla is up two to one. He's uh, two unanswered wins. You know, Kong won video games and then Godzilla's been rocking and rolling ever since. Today we're going to look at the history of the characters. And now, we're not going to be talking about their on-screen history because it has changed almost as many times as they've had movies. Uh, even, Even Kong only having a few movies, you know, Godzilla has a lot of movies it's it's changed a lot. So I wanted to look at the behind the scenes story and you know where where that came from and everything because I think that's uh a little more important maybe uh you know gives us a better idea of where where they come from and what what happened. So up first is King Kong, and his story, I mean, they're both pretty amazing, just like they're on-screen characters, so King Kong, the, the eighth wonder of the world, goes back to a guy named Marion C. Cooper, and if you remember when we are talking comics, like, there's the Cooper story, and, and they do everything like that, um, really kind of one of the last big adventure type people. He... Got shot down in World War One and in the Polish Russo War. Um, he escaped from POW camp. He's just done all this stuff, and then he was a reporter, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm going to be an explorer," and that's what they did. And even while he was out exploring, he was he was filming documentaries, like one of the first kind of documentary filmmakers out there. Um, he also flew planes for airlines for a while, but yeah, so. As he was making these movies, they they were called natural dramas. So, what he would do is film animals and stuff, and then make a plot around it. Or have a movie and then insert some of this stuff that he had filmed. And it was really, really neat, because, you know, this is back in the, the 20s and things, when film was just in its infancy, and people were able to see things that they had never seen before. And they were going around, and they are making money, doing well. They'd watch these baboons and stuff, and that kind of got him interested in apes. And then he had a buddy who went to Komodo and like was one of the first people to go there and bring stuff back. And he brought back a Komodo dragon, which I love Komodo dragons. They're big and scary and awesome. And he saw that, and he's like, oh, you know what would be cool? is if I had an ape fight a Komodo dragon. Well, we know that there's no apes on the Komodo Islands and stuff, uh, but that he didn't care. And then also, an interesting thing was gorillas. So, you know, King Kong's a gorilla. At this time, most people had never seen a gorilla. They didn't know anything about it. You know, there's all this myth and legend, you know, about how, how big are they? Do, they? do they really kidnap, you know, women from the villages and, and everything? And as he's looking at this Komodo dragon that came to New York Zoo, uh, I mean, it died in captivity, but he, he started going on and on and on. And he's like, okay, well, I can get a gorilla and take it over there and everything. And then the gorilla would get captured, but he'd break loose. Uh, and, you know, he started to, the skeleton of Kong, was was starting to form. And... as he kept going and kept researching, you know, he was... like, okay, well, we need to get some funding for stuff. And, boom, the depression hit. So, you know, nobody's really gonna want to fund a movie where you go to Africa and you get a monkey or a gorilla and all this stuff and then take it to Komodo and blah, blah. So, it got on the shelf. Well... Cooper, again, doing all this crazy stuff. I mean, he really was kind of a renaissance man. He ends up being David O. Selznick's assistant. And Selznick was just a huge, huge early film producer. He's responsible for some of the biggest movies of all time uh, in, like, pretty much any classic film that you can think of. You know, stuff that everybody's like, oh, oh you need to watch this or this and... Uh, that he was he was responsible for it. I mean, Gone with the Wind uh, was probably his biggest thing, but uh, he also did Rebecca and stuff. But anyway, Cooper was his assistant and his job was to bring projects to Selznick. And he finally got this film called Creation. And they looked at it and was like, well, oh, maybe. And it was uh, it started to get thoughts going, and then there's a movie called The Lost World, not the Jurassic Park one, but it is about dinosaurs. So at this point, it's based on Arthur Conan Doyle's novel. Um, there's a whole Jurassic Park story behind that, but so now Cooper's like, well, maybe I could have him fight a dinosaur because that's cool, and people don't know a lot about gorillas, so I can take him from 12 feet tall, which was the original because. That's how tall people thought gorillas were. He's like, I'll have him, like, 30 feet tall. And it just went on and on. And then finally, he he took this creation um, story. And not, like, a creation, like, theological creation story. But this movie. And retooled it and reworked it. And it, it got picked up. And it cost a lot of money. Um pretty much cost what two movies would cost at that time. It was a little over half a million, Uh, but it worked. It was a huge hit. Everybody loved it, and uh, it was just going to be called Kong, which I think is kind of a cool nod that the new ones do, but Selznick was like, no, you need to put King in there because it's it just makes it bigger and better and people will, you know, gravitate to it more. And it worked. And the big battle at the end was supposed to be on the Chrysler Building. But as they were writing it, the script, the Empire State Building opened. So they're like, heck yeah, let's do it. Made the movie. The rest is history. So, pretty pretty cool. You know, it's one of those early uh, 20th century American just got the gumption and you just do it. Uh, on the other side of the coin, though, Godzilla is a completely different story. So, Godzilla, uh, means Gorilla Well in Japanese, and Toho Company first started it, and the... It was supposed to just be kinda like a, a bee B-cheesy movie, you know, because studios, especially in the 50s and stuff, all studios all over the world, they would make low-budget movies that would make their money back and do okay, but didn't cost a whole lot to make, so... And now those are like what we call cult classics, or mystery science theater movies, or whatever. Well, the inspiration from Godzilla didn't come from, ooh, what would happen if an ape and a dinosaur fight? It it came from fear and horror. So, America had dropped atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and... All of this, uh, you know, just death and destruction and everything. And one of the biggest fears of it was... So there's a, a boat, a fishing trawler called Lucky Dragon Number 5 that had been exposed to nuclear testing later on uh, after, after events of that. So we had seen what radiation and such had done to people in 45. So a few years later, testing out some stuff, this boat gets exposed and... So, like, the crew got sick, somebody died, everybody's worried that the food supply, you know, being an island nation, like, lots of fish and stuff, that the food supply would be tainted from the radiation and everything, and people were, were scared, you know? As long as they've been around nuclear weapons, that's like the end-all, be-all, war, devastation, power, control, whatever. Whatever you know, I'll oh, just nuke it, and it literally changes the landscape, metaphorically changes it, and literally, and so, you know, it's, it's it's terrifying, and people were thinking about what the effects of it, and what it means, and so, they come in, and Godzilla is the representation of the atom bomb, you know, in some of the origins the radiation mutated an iguana and that's how we got Godzilla uh, but you know now there's like the Titans that's why we're not doing the the real history but that's kind of where where it started and that's when he has these atomic powers these atomic blast and just has death and destruction because when the atomic bomb started that that's how it was now over the years we've harnessed uh, harnessed nuclear energy and it's still a terrifying thing, but there's a there's a partnership, I guess, really, what you'd say there, and uh, where, you know, we have nuclear power plants, but we're still, like, Chern- Chernobyl. Man, words are hard to date, y'all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to edit, because I believe in you getting the full, raw, Boring land experience. So, But, we, you know, we see the fallouts of that, too. And Godzilla has adapted as that. You know, he started off big scary, but now, like, as his career went on, kind of got to be friendly and things. And, yeah. So when he first started, though, he's this not-quite-dinosaur, not-quite-dragon thing. Uh, So playing on some Japanese history and mythology and stuff. Um, And then, of course, both of these franchises... You know, not not only did they have the same idea of hey, let's take this normal creature and make it huge, but the way they did it, whether it was the suits and models in Godzilla or in the animation and puppetry and stop motion in King Kong, you know, they both these films are incredibly important to cinematic history, and I think that's really neat. But we're here to talk about the winners you know who who has a better origin story and this one's hard because i love the the godzilla origin you know taking this real life thing and giving it a voice i mean a loud screechy voice and a big scary body but giving it those things to help deal with that trauma you know it's a it's a form of processing grief and stuff but then on the other hand with Kong you have this rugged do-all guy who you know travels the world and explores things and makes movies and flies and war hero everything just just so so many different variants here but I'm gonna have to give it to Godzilla, you know, the, the fact that they took something so tragic and horrific and reimagined it as this icon, this cultural icon that stands for so much more and brings happiness to people and just uh, it's, it's great, you know. Kong, this, this today was, uh, man, a lot of these were hard, but today was real hard to pick. And so that gives Godzilla a 3-1 to one advantage over King Kong. So Godzilla wins That's as far as what we've looked at and judged. Tomorrow's show, I'll give you my review of Godzilla vs. Kong so we can see who wins in that. But let me know who, who do you think should have won this week. You can let me know in the comments below here on SoundCloud or on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, all the usual places. Just look for The Night Nerd. Or you can email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. But otherwise, that's going to do it for me today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.